Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Introducing Wondersuite from bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wednesday. Yay. Yay. I love Wednesday. It didn't take 20 minutes for us to start this time. It only took like five. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Progress. I've got my coffee. Yeah, it smells like coffee in here, which I'm not complaining. Mm. It's nice. Coffee smells good. Um. Okay, so... Bacon tastes good. I love bacon, dude. I... That makes me really want bacon. Maybe we can go to Denny's after this. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. That's a hard maybe. That's a hard maybe because <laughs> we're like really comfy right now. I know, right? But it's not like that late. It's not technically Wednesday yet, so I think we're doing pretty good. Yes. That's true. You're right. Right. You're right. Usually it's like just a little bit into Usually Wednesday. Usually we're just like really, just really barely getting it in there, just... We've been getting a little bit better. We have been getting better. Also, and now that I'm done with my weekends, my weekends are free now. Right, right. Rent fair is over. So, if you didn't go to Bristol, you missed out for this summer, but I wonder, definitely go next summer. I just like know that there's a lot of runnies who like also have podcasts. Oh yeah, which I think is dope. Right, your um, castmate was telling you about his, right? Yeah, he was like taking a picture, and I was like, "What are you? What is it called? What are you doing?" I don't remember, but it's about it's about it's about his. Well, you have to remember these things if you're if we're gonna do like cross marketing on other podcasts. It's right? about start doing historical that, right? crimes, though. Okay, like specifically ones in 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 history. That's cool. Um, but anywho, if you have a podcast and you want us to shout out your podcast, give us a dollar on Patreon and we'll shout out your podcast. Yeah, that'd be dope. <laughs> and then you know, um, reciprocate. Um, so anyway. <laughs> Now that we're done with with that, um, anything else you wanted to talk about before we get started? What? Um, I don't. You looked really think excited so. for just a second. I thought you were going to say something really important. Um, I don't know. What's going on in your life? You know, stuff. <laughs> Working a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I've so I'm doing episode zero over again partly because i'm just trying to like i didn't have time to spend on the podcast but this is also a really good one it's a good story this was episode zero we never posted it this was the one that we sent out to select friends who got select right and i think like two of them actually listened to it we had two listeners on our first episode episode zero we've built it up since then yeah we are we're our listenership has grown yes Thank you for listening. For real. Thank you to the people in, in, you know, fucking India who've been listening. Bunch of people in Australia. We love our Australians. Canada's been showing up. Hey, Australia, how do y'all feel about the Teacher's Pet podcast? What the fuck is up with that? I've never heard of that. Well, you gotta listen to it. 
Oh. I told myself I was taking a true crime break, but I'm right. I'm still listening to that. It's about a missing woman named Lynn Dawson, and her husband totally did it. Ooh. It's hard to take a true crime break. Like, it honestly. is hard, especially since I've already centered myself media-wise, television-wise, news-wise in right. true crime, you know? Right, right. I mean, you're going from, like... Books, podcasts, you know, all a, of it. A story about Molly Tibbetts to, like, an ID channel exactly. investigates about some crime from the 80s. Then you're, like, researching, you know, something from the 18th century for the pod. That's and it. My Favorite Murder does a more modern one. And- That's it. Last podcast on the left does a fucking, you know, fucked up uh, serial killer who also happens to be a mob hitman. Fucking fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's just so much uh, to take in, you know. Okay, so, do you want to go first or second? I kind of no, want to go first. I, I was going to say, I think, I actually think you should go first this time, which I, I almost never say or feel, so I like that we're, like, on the same page. Okay. So, I, okay, so maybe I'll do this in a future episode. I don't know. I was You're gonna, always saying that. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm always saying that too, though. <laughs> I was going to talk about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus Christ, superstar. I knew you were going to do that. Who are you? What do they say you are? I knew you were going to do that. Okay, too much, quiet. too much. Um, and that's just like a whole other thing that I wasn't prepared to do. And I it's also, a lot. it's hard to articulate, and I also couldn't pinpoint one thing. It's a lot. Um, so maybe sometime we'll talk about, like, the Ark of the Covenant or something like that. Maybe we could do, like, a, a one of those where we talk about the same topic together. Yeah. Like, do, like, just Christology. But I also don't want you, like, putting your, like, nihilistic atheist remarks I, I am not a nihil- all up in there. I am not a nihilist. That is an unfair I'll just, characterization I'll face it and you'll be like, or it's not real, it's all a story. And I'll be like, be quiet. <laughs> but isn't Two that, billion people. <laughs> isn't that part of the mysteries? Like, you know, was it real? Is it, like, how much is history? How much is myth? Well, yeah, yeah, how but, much it, is but you also political... have to be open to it, and you're not open to it at all. I was open to aliens. I think I can be open to that. Okay. I am. I trust you. That's part part of being, you know, a, a agnostic atheist. No, Mario's is an open not mind. even agnostic. He's straight up atheist. You do. I know more about what I believe than you do. That's <laughs> okay. Come on. That's a good point. Like, <laughs> give me some fucking credit here. <laughs> no, I, I take that scientific, you know, point of view like we talked about in my and that's science. That's what I wanted episode. to look at. I wanted to look you at know? the archaeology of it and how there are there's like a divide of scholars who believe straight up in the Bible and then there's a scholars who believe that yeah, there was a Jesus, but I think that there was let's find evidence for this man and who he really was and that's right. what I think too. We we'll we, we'll do an episode at least about We'll touch it. on it. We'll yeah, touch. Yeah, but we'll do touch. you do your one for this week. So, I'm going to talk about an internet mystery. Ooh. Um, I love the internet. Me too. The internet is for porn. The, what? Whoa. It, it's from Avenue Whoa. Q. It's from Avenue Q. Whoa. Read, listen, <laughs> read a book. Listen to a musical. <laughs> Come on. I'm not a musical person. I uh, love musicals, Can you tell that I am? Because <laughs> I'm fucking saying two musicals already. Yeah, like acting majors and shit, like, love their musicals, but I... I've never seen or listened to Avenue Q, and I don't want to. It's got good songs. I bet it does, but I just... Anyway. <laughs> is it about music? Is your story about musicals this week? No. Internet and musicals? Because that would really work out well. No. Oh, come on. It's just about in the internet. Okay. okay. So. Okay. I'm going to talk about Cicada 3301. Okay, I don't know what the fuck that is. I didn't know what it was either. It's been on the list for a while. So, the beginning. January 4th. In the beginning. January 4th, 2012. A weird message starts to appear on message, on message boards all across the internet, spreads like wildfire, goes viral. Basically asking for people to solve a puzzle. Here's what it says. Quote, Hello. We are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a message hidden in this image. Find it, and it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few that will make it all the way through. Good luck. End quote. Signed, 3301. The image was of a cicada. That was it. Go. Go solve the puzzle. 
solve the puzzle. So I found a few articles about this dude named Joel Erickson, who's a computer analyst from um, Uppsala, Sweden. Is that how uh, you say that? Uppsala. Uppsala. I think. I think um, I'm pretty sure we've had some listens from from Uppsala. Dope. So um, I read two articles about him, and he. I don't know if he was the first to solve it, but he was definitely one of the few who solved it by himself, step by step. Mm. So let's talk about him. Um, the first image that they posted try, ended up being an example of what's called digital steganography. So the definition of steganography is the concealment of secret information within a digital file hiding secret messages and otherwise non-secret mediums. So there was a lot of like cryptographer techie confusing stuff in this. So I tried to simplify it as much as I could. So steganography can be done in many ways, like altering the color of every 100th pixel or something like that. Hmm. So in this specific one, specific, it's he found one. he found that each letter of the text that was found in the image actually corresponded with another letter. And after he decoded this, a URL was found. Mm. So I'm just going to talk about the journey, the like step-by-step that he did. So he went to this URL. The URL led to an image of a duck. He used steganography again, um, and that led him to a Reddit page where encrypted lines of books were being posted every few hours. So one of the books that he ended up decoding and that led him further on was The Lady of the Fountain, a poem about King Arthur taken from Mabinogion, 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 a collection of pre-Christian medieval Welsh trans- manuscripts. The Med- Mabinogion? Mabinogion. The Mabinogian. 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 I bet one of those was right. I said it many different ways. You did. So. Good job. There was also strange symbols on this page. Which he found out were Mayan numerals. Ah. That led to another code. So after translating the Mayan numerals. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh no. (laughs) It is precisely 11 o'clock. It's pill time. 11 o'clock and all's well. If you're happy and you know it, shake your your pills. pills. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So the Mayan numerals translated leads to two more images using, again, steganography. Erickson found riddles. He solved these riddles and that led him to a phone number in Texas. Ooh, Texas. Texas. I love when Texas comes up. The phone number. So he calls it. It leads to a voicemail and answering machine that said, quote, very good. You have done well. There are three prime numbers associated with the original final JPG image. 3301 is one of them. You will have to find the other two. Multiply all three of these numbers together and add a dot com to find the next step. Good luck. Goodbye. So, <laughs> what multi- the fuck? I know. Multiply the prime numbers together to get URL. 845145127.com. Go there. It leads to a pi- another picture of a cicada with a countdown clock that told him when to return to the site. So once the clock reached zero on January 9th, at, five days later, at 5, B, 5 p.m. GMT, which I think is mountain... What's GMT? That's Greenwich Mean Time. It's in England. England. Cool. Yeah. It's, we are, I think, plus five from Greenwich Mean Time. So 10 p.m. our time? Um, I think so. It doesn't matter. It So the website after the clock reached zero shows 14 GPS minus coordinates. Minus five. We're minus five from Greenwich. Okay. Time. Showed 14 GPS coordinates around the world. Locations in the USA, Poland, France, South Korea, and Australia. So this message, this Cicada 3301, had tons and tons of people all over the world trying to figure out what it was. So... It led to these coordinates, and none of them were in Sweden, so Ericsson had to wait around to see what other people were doing. He waited to see, and what they found um, on, on like telephone posts and stuff was a QR code. The scanned QR code 
leads to more images with more hidden text inside. The hidden text was William Gibson's poem Agrippa. Agrippa? Agrippa? <laughs> Agrippa. Agrippa. Agrippa, a book of the dead, um, was infamous for being printed on a three and a half inch floppy disk and was programmed to erase itself after being read once. So, I'll know about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, homie, don't play that. Homie, don't play that. <laughs> Erickson goes back to Reddit and, Reddit, and tries the book codes <laughs> again from before, um, and, and it works. So, after that, he was directed to an anonymous website on the Tor network. Mm. So, like I said, note that there are thousands of people doing this puzzle. And Erickson was a little late at this point. By the time he got to this Tor website, um, whoever's behind this, Cicada3301, posted a message saying that they were disappointed that people were sharing information and that there was no one, there wasn't any one person who independently figured out each puzzle step by step on their own. But but he had. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Oh. End. <laughs> That's the end of your story? End of the 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 journey, the puzzle. Oh, okay. Um, it, and it ends on a tour website, which is significant. It stands the for... The dark web. Yes, yes. It stands for the Onion Router, which allows access to the dark web. Estimated to be 5,000 times larger than the regular web. And if you don't know, that's where you get all your illegal shit. Your human trafficking, gun sales, drugs, all kind of nasty ass. Selling, hire, hire selling, hitman. selling like children and that kind of nasty ass right, bullshit. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not good. Not good at not, all. Uh, not a good part of the internet. It's uh, sort of the bad part of the internet. It's also actually. one of those unfathomable things where like, in my perspective, the internet is already so big that like what we have, I guess, is small compared to what else is out there. Just like dark matter and dark energy. Which I talked about on the science episode. Like, it reminds me of an iceberg. True. True, true, true. So, let's get into some... Mine's gonna be pretty short today, by the way. So... You're pretty short today. You know what? By the way. You know what, Silva? (laughs) Um, She's three inches taller than me. Yeah. (laughs) By the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Still pretty fucking short, though. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so, who is... Cicada through 301. Who are um, these people? I have a really important question. What... That means it's not going to be important. What is uh, Cicada 3301? Also, who are Cicada 3301? You know what, Mario? That's the burning question. That's what we're here to discuss. Burning into my skull, I have to find That is (gasps) the mystery. What? That's the... Oh, my God. That's so fucking lucky. You asshole. Okay, so it's gonna keep going. Okay, so was it a PR stunt? Was it some kind of elaborate marketing campaign? If so, what was it for? What organizations behind it? Um, and right? then I kind of paralleled it to like, I guess in two thousand four, Microsoft did something like this, but it was like to promote the new Halo game or something. Do you do you, you say that like you know? No, that just makes sense. It just I, would, makes sense. I mean, yeah. it was two thousand four. It wasn't like that. It was fourteen years ago. Yeah. I mean, I was 18, but I don't really... I didn't follow Halo. I don't know. Yeah. So, or was it some kind of secret organization? Like, was it MI6, CIA, the NSA? Was it type of recruitment tool? Which mm. I thought was really interesting. Could be, like, could be. Like, only... Here, we're going to put this out there. Only the best of the best can solve these. Right. And if you get through it, we'll give you a job. And the CIA is definitely known for its cryptography. For doing that kind of stuff, yeah. And MI6, of course. And, um... Uh, what is it called? The Israeli one, um, the Mossad. Sure. I think. Yeah, I think the Mossad is the one that's their CIA version of their CIA. That's dope. Yeah. I have to stop saying that. That's dope. Dope, man. It's like not nineteen ninety four. You know, groovy. Groovy is like seventy two, right? Oh my is god, seventies or sixties? That's like so boss. That's neat. I'm just doing it from all different eras. That's neat. That's that's, n- that's neat. Oh, Peachy keen. G. Willikers. Peachy Keen, what do we say now? What do Bruh. we say now? We say, fuck yeah. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. All day, all day. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Another theory. <laughs> fuck yeah. Okay. Another theory is that it was an ex-Cicada member. 
Uh, oh wait, no. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! What? Don't don't listen to me. So I'm just like reading my <laughs> right of raw. Edited and raw. 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 I was waiting for you to do that. <laughs> okay. So an ex-Cicada member, a non-English military officer recruited to the organization, quote, by a superior, left an anonymous message on the website Pastebin. Cicada, he said, quote, was a left-hand path religion disguised as a progressive scientific organization, end quote, comprising of, quote, military officers, diplomats, and academics who were dissatisfied with the direction of the world, end quote. Their plan was to transform humanity into the Nietzschean Ubermensch. Did I say that right? Essentially, Ubermensch. 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 Uber. Ubermensch. Uber. That right. was like French. Uber. Uber. Um, that's the you with the umlaut. Uber. So, um, that's not great. That's pretty dangerous. No, yeah, that's not. That's, uh, yeah, just if, if anyone hasn't sort of heard about that, this is like where eugenics comes from and shit. Like, Ugh. this is not a, like... This is the, like, kind of progressive that's actually really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, like, and eugenics, you know. if you do not know, is basically trying to rid the world of those with disabilities and those who are not considered pure genetically. Right. It's creating the perfect person. Only issue with that is there's no such fucking thing. <laughs> it's just like yes. this, it's this imaginary concept that doesn't actually yes. exist at all. And it's actually silly to even think that it could exist. So it just leads to essentially people who look like me are the best. And everyone else must not be like them, which is never good. A theory behind the um, uh, the, Lin- the Lindbergh baby? The Lindbergh baby is that... Right, the crime of the century. Is that he, that baby was killed because it wasn't perfect and what's his face like was really into eugenics and like right, wanted right. like that's so fucked up charles Lindbergh was a a fucking terrible person yeah he was he was not a good dude no yeah uh yeah read about uh america first like not in its current context but in the context of charles Lindbergh. yeah just look up america first charles Lindbergh. you'll you'll see what we're talking about yeah so Erickson, our main guy, Joel Erickson, believes that it's just in some kind of underground organization and that it's not related to any government. Here's what he says, quote, based on the references in their, in their challenges, the Agrippa, 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 Agrippa poem by William Gibson, the marriage Agrippa. of heaven and hell by William Blake, the book of law by Alistair Crowley, mm. and their constant references to prime numbers and the like. They're likely intellectual anti-establishment, ideologically driven, and they seem to be valuing logical slash analytical thinking highly. They seem to share a lot of ideology with the crypto anarchy movement and old school hackers. True. He also touches on the fact that the locations um, where, like, things were physically posted are all places with some of the most talented IT security researchers in the world. Hmm. So maybe it was just a bunch of IT people who were, like, just trying to fuck with people? Maybe. Make them think it was this, like, secret society, but really it was just, like... A bunch of nerds just, like, trolling the world. Who knows? So I read a couple, like, really good articles um, that, like, interviewed Joel. One of them was um, from a website called Fast Company. I've heard of Fast Company, definitely. And the author um, is Michael Grothaus. Grothaus? I'm not sure. And The Telegraph from the UK um, also interviewed him, too. The um, by Chris Bell, and then I looked a little bit for more theories on um, the Independent uh, James Vincent, Vincent article and another Telegraph article by um, Mark Malloy. Cool. And yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's that's uh. Pretty short and sweet. But it's yeah. weird, right? No, it's good, though. Yeah, it was very weird. And it's annual. They do it every year. Oh, they do it and every there, year. Yeah, and there are, like, some that, like, are, have, like, are, like, unsolved still. Like, I oh. think that, like, the two th- the 2014 one is, like, nobody solved it. Wow, so they're still going on. Yes, supposedly. Interesting. And I meant to look up more of the modern ones, but I didn't. That's fine. My bad. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, no, that's, uh... And obviously no one's ever found out who they are or anything. Nope. 
Very interesting. Okay, my turn. Going second for a change. Feels weird. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I am going to do what I did in episode zero, which is uh, the killing of Pat Tillman. Uh, Pat Tillman, uh, just in case you don't know, he's, he's like pretty famous, um, was a former uh, football player, professional football player, who decided to join the army in 2002. So just like a little background on him. He was like born in San Jose, California. He's mm-hmm. the oldest of three sons. Um, he went to Arizona State and he was just like a star there, right? Like he was an athletic star as the linebacker for the football team. He was um, uh, an, an academic star. He was like a really good student, won several academic awards. Oh. He actually had an undefeated season and went to the Rose Bowl Damn. in 1997. And then the next year, he was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, Arizona State, Arizona Cardinals. Huge party school. Homeboy. Oh, the biggest party the school. The biggest party Every school. year. Um, but, you know, a hometown boy makes good, goes pro. Um, he's there. He sets the team record for tackles in the year 2000. Super talented. Super, super talented. Like, top of the league, right? Like, you have to understand, this is like... If, you know, Odell Beckham had decided to, like, give it all up and go join the army. Like, this was, like, crazy at the time. Who? Um, you, if you watch football, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, really good football player. Sports? Um, yes. What? Yes, uh, sprouts. Oh, shout out to Arizona State. If you go there, invite us. <laughs> You're right. Let's get blackout drunk. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Just do it. Uh, hashtag Colin Kaepernick. So, Hashtag, um, <laughs> don't burn your fucking socks. <laughs> right. Okay, so... Hashtag, donate them to the veterans you think you care about. Anyway! Okay, let's not do too many hashtags <laughs> out loud, because it is a, kind of a dumb joke. Um, so anyway, Pat Tillman uh, chose actually to take less money and stay at, at uh, with the Arizona Cardinals rather than go to the St. Louis Rams in 2001. So he had that, like, loyalty to his home state as well. Yeah. But what he kind of had a higher loyalty to was what he perceived as his, like, um, his commitment to his country, right? And that's why he decided to, or we think, although he never, like, really said why, he decided to enlist um, in the army after the Afghan war began in 2002. So little history, right? Um, You know, the uh, Iraq, right? First Gulf War, they invaded Kuwait. Uh, This aggression, this aggression will not stand, uh, this aggression against Kuwait, whatever HW said, um, you know, way back when, and and then we went in and we we stopped them and we pushed them back back into Iraq. Kuwait was freed, and we said, okay, it's fine. Saddam, okay, you're good. Just like run your country, kill all those people, whatever. We're essentially not going to intervene. But when 9/11 happened, right? Dick Cheney, mm. George W. Bush, um, you know, they kind of saw this as an opportunity, right? Finish it up. Finish up the job. Dick Cheney was the Secretary of Defense, I believed. When Kuwait was invaded, he didn't want to stop, right? He wanted to overthrow Saddam. This is all according to me, right? This is not, like, historical fact, right? This is, like, what I remember of reading things and stuff. But anyway, um, when the uh, when 9-11 occurred, you know, we didn't just go into Afghanistan. We also went into Iraq, was never totally clear why. We thought they had weapons of mass destruction, you know, that they had these nukes. They didn't end up having the nukes. Lots of people were to blame for that. The media, you know, Colin Powell, the president, Dick Cheney, whatever, the people who worked at the NSC, all that stuff. But it so ha- he decided to go in after this. He decided to go in after the Afghan war began, right? It's, we're, we're at war. We were attacked. You know, 9-11 happened. He felt like he had to step up and do this, right, for his country. Fair. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of... I'm going to read kind of a lot of quotes in this one. So this is a, this is a quote from Pat Tillman. Um, quote, sports embodied many of the qualities I deem meaningful, he said in 2002. However, these last few years, and especially after recent events, I've come to appreciate just how shallow and insig- insignificant my role is. It's no longer important. Hmm. Close quote. So that's he, a pretty big realization for a young, right? Like this is know? a guy in his early twenties making a shit ton of money who went to Arizona State, right? But the thing you have to understand about Pat Tillman is that he's a fucking warrior philosopher. 
Like that's who he was. He he was kind of that whole idea of like the the warrior who's also extremely heady and thoughtful and is really like thinking through the consequences of what's happening. Um and it's it's sort of a contradiction. You don't expect it because he was this great football player. But he was a more nuanced person, right? As every person is, right? There are so many NFL players who are super thoughtful, who are musicians or painters or, yeah, you know, yeah. philosophy majors, whatever. But we don't think about that because we see them hitting each other. And also many of them are black and people have sort of a supposition, even if it's subtly, even if you're a black person, right? In the back of your mind that like, oh, these meaty black guys can't also be like a poet, mm-hmm. right? Or like... Yeah, it's all conditioned in there. Know, a stand-up comedian or no something. One, no one is free of that. <laughs> exactly. But, again, part of the point of this podcast is to, like, increase our measure of empathy for each person. And part yes. of that is realizing, like, every person contains multitudes. Yes. Yes. Everyone matters. There's no such thing as the lesser victim. Fuck that. Right. Exactly. And, you know, per- perpetrators also matter, right? Like, they did a terrible thing. We have to recognize that, you know... Victims are victims for a reason because a terrible thing was done to them. But perpetrators don't cease to be people, right? And I think this story kind of highlights that. The person who killed Pat Tillman, as we'll get to, was not an evil person. One of the big mysteries of this story is actually whether they intended to do it or not. And Mm. whether someone murdered someone or killed them by accident, it's very legally different. Is it morally different? Do we consider the murderer to be worse than, you know, the negligent homicide It also reminds versa. me of, like, the serial killer's, like, family. True. You know? Like, they're, like, also victims. And, like, what the fuck? Like... Exactly. I've been watching this really good Netflix series called I Am A Killer. I watched the first episode. It's dark. Like, I watched, like, three episodes in a He's... row and I was like, oh my god, I can't do this anymore. Oh, man, that guy was scary. He was, like... Oh, that He guy, was just yeah. talking... He was, like, this ugly, bald guy with these ugly-ass teeth on death row, wanted to be on death row. And right. he was, like, talking about how he um, killed his, his cellmate, and he's, like, looking at the interview. He's, like, you really think that's something, don't you? And he, like, cackles. <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, yeah, that's something! You strangled your cellmate! Yeah, he's, he's like, um, uh... <laughs> He's like kind of a pure psychopath. Scary. Yeah, yeah. I love that shit. <laughs> it's it's good. It's it's exciting. Um, so a, any anyway to get to get the, anyway. the the ship back on track here. Um, so you know Pat Tillman, right? As we're talking about, he was you know very interested in a lot of different subjects. Very um, scholarly person. In addition to being like a high level, um, you know, uh, defensive uh, player in the NFL. But also, again, he's someone who's fiercely loyal to his country. So he actually turned down a $3.6 million contract mm. with the Cardinals Damn. to enlist in the Army. Wait, aren't the Cardinals, Cardinals a baseball team? The Cardinals are also a baseball team, yes. The St. Louis Cardinals are a baseball team, but also the Arizona Cardinals are an NFL team. Okay, all right. You know, in the same way in which the New Jersey... Uh, sorry, the New York Jets, rather, uh, are a, a football team. A- and also there's the, the Winnipeg Jets, which are an NHL team. See, we should that, do that's a sports the weird mysteries. I could definitely find a sports mystery, yeah. There's got to be something in there. Like the curse of the Cubs. Right, right. Uh, the curse of the Bambino and the, the goat curse. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that, sure. Um, so, so before he actually left for his, for his like... Um, uh, training or whatever, basic training. Pat Tillman, also very cute, married his high school sweetheart. Aww. They were each other's first and only boyfriend and girlfriend, and they and they got married. Um, <laughs> yes, it's very it's very cute. Um, what's also kind of cute is that um, Pat Tillman actually went into it with his younger brother, so they like enlisted at the same time. Okay, and they actually ended up becoming army rangers at the same time. I feel like. And being deployed together. I feel like that's very comforting. Right. Because, like, sometimes I, I, have, I have no idea. I've, I have not. I don't have any military experience. But that's a scary thing. It's a very brave, extremely brave thing to enlist in the army. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, to have, like, your brother next to you was, like, 
really reassuring and like let's right. like let's do this like together. Yeah, no, and that's exactly. also what makes this so fucking tragic. It's very very tragic for sure. Um, so anyway, they were assigned to the Second Battalion, Seventy Fifth Ranger Regiment, out of Fort Lewis, Washington, um, and. Pat and his brother served several tours of duty, first in Iraq as part of Operation Iraqi Freedom, um, where I think it's fair to say Quick Pat, summary. Uh, oh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. That's what we were talking about earlier, the, the second Gulf War, um, when we thought they had weapons they of had mass nukes. destruction. Okay, got it. And we went in and we um, took out Saddam. We arrested him as people, I believe, ended up hanging him later. Um, yeah. You know, people were raiding through the palace. Is it weird that I remember that, but I was a little kid? No, I mean, it's a seminal I, event like, in world that. history. I didn't know who he was or what was going on. All I know is that were people celebrating because some guy was dead. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's happened, like, so many times since then, right? Um, and, and then also, in some places, it has not happened, uh, which is also very consequential. Um, but anyway, we, we can get into so so many different topics. Well, I mean, mine was kind of short, so, like, I like discussing this. And True. this is also, like, we wanted to go into government mysteries right. and do further episodes that's true. in the next few episodes. No, that's very true. And part of that is that government mysteries, you know, it, it, it stems from something, right? Like, what are they trying to keep from us? What are they trying to keep hidden and why? Um, wars you know, the fog of war, right? It creates a lot of mystery in and around itself, right? What is actually happening on the ground? You know, I mean, that's <laughs> the the disparity between what the government is telling you is happening and what is actually happening on the mm. ground in any given war is typically very large. And it almost always goes in the direction of it being worse than they say it is. This has been the case in, in probably every war we've ever fought. Literally, since that's, since the Revolutionary War. That's scary. It certainly was the case with Obama and, you know, his handling of the Afghanistan War um, and, and the end of Iraq and all that. Uh, it definitely was true of George W. Bush. Um, you know, H.W. Uh, didn't have too much. Clinton didn't have too much. But, you know, definitely Nixon, definitely Johnson, um, you know, just keep going back, right? <laughs> um, and, you know... What Pat Tillman saw was what was actually going on on the ground, right? Because he was deployed there. And not only was he deployed there, he was an army ranger. Which you have to understand, right? Sorry, I keep saying that, is that the the army, and I know everyone knows this, but right, the army are the ground forces, right? They're the, they're the ones who are actually there with the people on the ground. Okay. So he was involved, you know, he he was interacting with the people there. He kind of knew more about the story, right? And according to one soldier that served with him, he actually once said, this war is so fucking illegal about the Iraqi war. Whoa. Yeah. Um, it, in other words, there wasn't it, there was no legal justification, you know, for carrying out the mission that he was tasked with carrying out. Now, that didn't he didn't go MIA. Right. He didn't challenge his superior officers. But again, he was a very thoughtful person, right? Another quote about him was that he was interested in Emerson and Chomsky, right? It, it, apparently, he was actually going to meet up with Noam Chomsky, who – you it take too long. You you can – well, Noam Chomsky, is, he's just a very prominent leftist um, thinker, uh, linguist, political writer, all that kind of stuff. Pat Tillman apparently was going to meet with him after his last deployment. In other words – he died, so he never met with Noam Chomsky. But he, he was actually going to meet him and, like, talk with him. And Emerson, of course, Ralph Waldo Emerson, the famous transcendentalist writer from the 19th century, um, you know, again, he, he was a very heady academic guy in addition to being an army ranger and a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. um, just, again, people contain multitudes. So I'll, I'll talk more kind of about Pat and what he thought about you know, the, um, the army and things like that kind of as, as time goes on in the talking about the aftermath, but let, let's just kind of go through what happened right on, on the day that he died. Okay. So obviously this is the mystery, right? How did he die? Why did he die? What exactly happened on April 22nd, 2004 in, you know, 
uh, near Spera in Coast Province in eastern Afghanistan. We don't really know. Part of that is because evidence was destroyed, as we'll get to. But again, it's also that fog of war, right? So Tillman, Pat Tillman, his brother, a number of other soldiers, uh, you know, uh, are are there. Rangers are there in a canyon in eastern Afghanistan doing their patrol, as they do, right? This is what you do when you're at war. Uh, you go around, you see what's going on, you talk to the people, you make sure there are no enemies nearby, all that kind of stuff. So they were deployed out of Salerno, and they were doing their rounds. Um, there was um, an, an initial report of what happened that basically said that Pat Tillman had been killed while they, um, while the uh, soldiers were taking enemy fire, that he had um, actually kind of sacrificed himself by covering up another younger soldier, and you know he died essentially as this like great war hero, right? Um, in this ambush. I just want to clarify because I remember when we first ever recorded this. There is a official report told to the public, and then there's a nitty-gritty of what could have really happened, right? It, exactly, exactly. And th- that's why I wanted to, you know, highlight that mystery initially. But thank you. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I know it is a little bit confusing. So this is not what actually happened. Just to clarify, we, we do know that at least. This is the first reports that came out of the army. This is what was told actually to Pat's brother because he happened to be Ugh. away at the time. He was not present when Pat was killed. So like the ambush, the ambush story. Right, the whole ambush story that the, that he was killed by enemy fire. They knew on the ground immediately that that was not true. And yet, and yet, they told his brother that. They told the public that. They ordered the soldiers that were there to lie. Including to... Pat's brother and his oh family. God. That's cruel. And despicable. Who would do that? I mean, come the fuck on, right? Like, yes, I understand it's embarrassing and, and, and tragic, and they didn't want it to be true that he was killed by, by friendly fire, right? But that's what happened. <laughs> and, like, I don't understand what they thought they were going to be able to do. Uh, I mean, they put out this official account, right? E- even days and weeks later, um, General Stanley McChrystal, who was, like, you know, the I think the top general in CENTCOM at the time, approved Gillen- giving Tillman a Silver Star nomination. And in the description, it had this official account that he knew, General McChrystal knew was not true. You know, and ju- he didn't do anything about and it? No. And, and Pat Tillman was actually honored in a nationally televised memorial service on May 3rd, 2004. And John McCain gave his eulogy. Wow. Now, it's not... I don't think John McCain knew the, the real story, just to clarify. But the generals definitely did. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into why we know that in a little bit. But the generals here involved in... Uh, the the ar- army chaplain that was there present at the scene, um, the soldiers that were there, they all knew. They all knew exactly. Well, not exactly, but they all knew basically what happened. So the family kind of knew that this wasn't adding up, right? They they started to look at more records, especially Pat Tillman's mom did all this fucking research, tireless, tireless research. In, into over the years into like finding out what happened but there was also of course the media so by the the end of may the media has found out and reported that pat tillman was killed by friendly fire the truth does finally come out journalists woo! right thank fucking god for journalists there's a reason that the only were I don't know I think it's the only profession that's specifically protected in our constitution is journalism because it's fucking important to know what's really happening <laughs> and the government's not always going to tell you <laughs> so like we got to have people figuring it out right and that's not a political thing that that's every government there's ever been of any size of any political persuasion 
fucking ever. I don't care if it's a town of 15 people or the nation, you know, the biggest nation in the world. There's always a local newspaper. And there always has to be. Um, So documents did later show that the army was truly aware of what happened. It was this thing called a P4 memo that actually circulated amongst some of the high-level commanders that said, essentially, hey, I know we're telling people this story about what happened to Pat Tillman, but... I just want you to know so you're not embarrassed when it probably will come out or maybe come out. Fair warning, dude. We're right. lying. Exactly. Fair. That's exactly it. Oh, Fair warning. We're lying. Oh, my gosh. That's essentially what it said. And they have, like, proof of this. They, like, have it and they found it and stuff. Well, yeah, because that P4 memo is, like, an official thing. Like, they oh, sent it around my God. in email and shit. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know what the fuck they thought was going to happen. So... Eventually, the Pentagon did reopen the investigation into the killing in 2005. So, you know, again, this happened, you know, um, April, what was it, 22nd? I think it was 2002? 2004. 2004. April 22nd, 2004. So this is like a, a year later, essentially. Excuse me. The Pentagon reopens the investigation. And there's over 2,000 pages of testimony that was given in, in, like, Congress. There were, like, congressional hearings and stuff. But didn't really answer all the questions, right? There were still more mysteries that were left even after all of that. Um, But essentially, this is kind of like the best guess that we have now as to what happened. So Pat Tillman's platoon, again, on that day, April 22nd, 2004. Okay, so here's the nitty-gritty reel. Right. This is like as close as we can get to the real story. Got it. Right. Pat Tillman's platoon was forced to split up. One of their Humvees had broken down while they were searching an Afghan village. So they were forced to tow the vehicle. So half the platoon went, um, you know, to go tow the platoon, or to to tow the Humvee, rather, along this road that, that kind of skirted this canyon, right? And supposedly they were attacked. So there was enemy fire at that point. Tillman's half of the platoon had... Con- continued to, um, you know, go a different direction and kind of scout the area, they responded to the radio signals about um, the enemy fire, but the first half of the platoon that was, you know, there by the broken-down vehicle thought that Pat Tillman's half was the enemy. Oh, so there was a, it was a miscommunication. It was a miscommunication. Now, Pat Tillman's half of the platoon was trying to signal, right, like, friendly position, we are not the enemy. We are your guys. Don't shoot at us. But they, and and this is part of what didn't really make sense, is they, they didn't hear them or they didn't, they somehow didn't get the signal. I guess they, you know, whatever, the shooting and the fog of war, but it wasn't that far away, right? Like, it wasn't like it was a mile away, right? It, it was maybe, I don't remember, I think some tens of meters. So shouting distance. So so again, I'm, I'm not totally sure that that this is exactly the right story either, but, you know, this is kind of a, the what ended up coming out. So um, Pat Tillman, in that crossfire, ended up getting shot three times in the head in close proximity to one another, which is also very strange. Uh, part of this um, and he was supposedly protecting a younger soldier. So that part of it was kind of true. And there were two other soldiers that were wounded. And also, I believe, um, an Iraqi allied soldier who was also killed. More documents continued to come out, right? More investigations, more from the media, more investigations by the family, showing that the other soldiers that were involved knew that Pat Tillman had died of friendly fire in the first 24 hours including General McChrystal. So, you know, the Army commanders, the Bush administration, they all were complicit in this cover-up, including destroying evidence. And no one went to jail for this? No. I don't believe anyone was ever held accountable. But Pat Tillman's um, uniform he he was wearing that day and his, like, journal were both... And the journal part is the weird part. We're both burned. And that is definitely not according to the rules. I think the person who did it claimed, like, they didn't know or something about the rule. I, I don't know. Sounds like bullshit. It sounded like bullshit, right? 
Um, and this other general, General Abizade, claims that he didn't actually receive the P4 memo, um, saying that Pat Tillman had been killed by friendly fire for like 10 or 12 days because he was in Iraq, which kind of also doesn't make sense because, I mean, couldn't they have like gotten it there from Afghanistan, which is like not that far away from Iraq? Um, but Defense Department records also later showed that General Abizade was not in Iraq, but was actually in Qatar and then Afghanistan during those 10 to 12 days. Afghanistan, where the killing occurred. Oh, so, so he was... There's just a lot of this stuff that just, like, was not... Foggy. Not adding up, right? Um, clearly, there's more to the story, even than we were told in the public record that came out, right? In the testimonies and all of that, the records that ended up coming out. Because there, there's a reason why these high-level generals are making shit up. I, I don't know. Or misremembering or something. I I don't know. Anyway, it's all very fishy. So it wasn't until reporters filed a Freedom of Information Act request, mm. thank God for the Freedom of Information Act, that um, the following information became public. Army medical examiners were suspicious about the close proximity of the three bullet holes in Pat Tillman's forehead and tried without success to get authorities to investigate whether the former NFL player's death amounted to a crime. So essentially what that's saying is that the Army chose not to even investigate whether this was a homicide or not. They just decided that it was accidental without doing any sort of investigation at all. Wow. Which seems a bit strange, right? Because, again, some things are not adding up here. Evidence was tampered with. What are they hiding? Who's hiding what? I mean, I don't think... Are they just embarrassed, or is there more than that? That's the question, right? That's that's the question. That's part of the mystery. And I think it's different answers for different people. I mean, I don't think General Abizade and General McChrystal had any reason to want Pat Tillman dead, necessarily. I, I mean, I guess you could say he was... You know, he might have been undermining the war if he had gone back and, you know, started associating with Noam Shomsky, maybe they found out about that. There's those sorts of theories, but I think it's pretty weak. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that the, you know, U.S. government or army or whatever usually does, um, just kind of like randomly murder people. It's more the kind of thing that would happen in, you know, some other countries. I mean, I don't want to badmouth other countries, but like it does happen, Mm -hmm. but not generally in the U.S. So why this one random time in 2004 would it have happened? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Especially during all this conflict. Yeah, it seems like that would have created more embarrassment if it came out than like, you know, whatever Pat Tillman could possibly do to them. Um, So, you know, even now, like 14 years later, you know, it's still not really clear exactly what happened. But I did want to read this kind of quote from Pat Tillman's mom, Mary Tillman, who again did yeoman's work, Herculean tasks in investigating what happened, uncovering the truth in this instance. And this is like a really good quote, I think, from her. So, quote, this isn't about Pat. This is about what they did to Pat and what they did to a nation. By making up these false stories, you're diminishing their true heroism. The truth may not be pretty. But that's not what war is all about. Mm. It's ugly. It's bloody. It's painful. And to write these glorious tales is really a disservice to the nation. Close quote. Preach. Yeah, exactly right. Like, war (laughs) is fucking the worst thing you could possibly imagine. So why the hell would you try to sugarcoat it? Um, Because it's the worst thing you can possibly imagine. You want to keep I, – I, I guess I can understand it in a, in a very venal, amoral, you know, political way. Like you want the war to keep continue because you believe in the aims of the war, right? You have some kind of virtuous um, intent behind it, right? I'm sure George W. Bush, Dick Cheney had something in their mind, right? This is serving some greater purpose. But I think what doesn't ever serve that purpose is to lie about it. How can that ever – do anything but undermine even that purpose that you think that it's serving. You know? Like, th- doesn't that make sense? Yeah. So, just take the hit. You know? If if the war's not going well, maybe people need to know that. 
Um, so we can do something about it. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to support the aims if the aims are true, if it's justified, you know, if, if it's really for something. Um, if you believe in that cause enough, then it should be able to withstand the truth. Yeah. And clearly, the Iraq war didn't end. The Afghanistan war didn't end after 2005 when all this shit came out. Right? It, it's the longest ongoing war in American history. So, like, you know, even from their pers- even from the perspective of the perpetrators in this instance, right? The Bushes, the McChrystals, the Abizades, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, the... It, it doesn't even make sense from their perspective to have done this. And and I think, you know, that quote from Mary Tillman really hits that home, right? Really gives you that perspective. And it's so amazing. You know, you can really tell where he gets his, like, intelligence from that she reacted to it in that way. She's very well-spoken, you can tell. Right? And, and so thoughtful. I mean, speaking as a grieving mother to then turn that to, like, this sort of grand moral message yeah. to the nation... It's, that's just, like, really something. I mean, that's part of what draws me to the story is just, like, Pat himself and, like, his family and, and like, his whole story. It, it just seems, like, so tragic not only because someone died and because they died from friendly fire, but also because of who we lost, right? The great things that Pat Tillman could have done had he lived. Um, you know, truly great things. Yeah, he was really things. young, right? Oh, yeah. No, he was really young. I mean, he lived from 1976 to 2004 so what is that 28 or no 27 sorry he had not had his birthday yet he was 27 when he died so you know four years younger than me right now yeah just think about that (laughs) um so he did receive a purple heart um posthumously of course in addition to his silver star and he actually had his number retired by both um, ASU and the Cardinals, mm. and he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in May 2010. Uh, there's also the Pat Tillman Foundation, which uh, was created in in his honor, you know, as as a you know uh, to give uh, scholarships and that sort of thing. So you know that's that's kind of the story. Um, that was really good. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, there, there's more detail I could go into, I and mean, there's more things about Pat. Um, I think one interesting thing is, you know, I mentioned his uh, having a, a ceremony at which John McCain gave his eulogy. Didn't he not want a huge Exactly. Thing? That was very much against his wishes. He did not want to have a military funeral. He did not want, you know, uh, to have any of those trappings. Actually, here's another quote, um, which I took from um, an article uh, in The Intercept. Um, and I believe this is his brother talking. So, quote, Tillman had made it clear that he did not want a military funeral. He was cremated instead. Quote, within the quote, Pat's a fucking champion and always will be, his baby brother Richard said at the service. Just make no mistake. He'd want me to say this. He's not with God. He's fucking dead. He's not religious. So thanks for your thoughts. But he's fucking dead. Wow. Yeah. And I think that also gives you a kind of a taste of what he probably talked like, too. Um, and, yeah, he he was not religious. He he was an, actually a very avowed atheist. He respected the hell out of religion. He would have lengthy, in-depth discussions with people um, about Islam, about Christianity, about any number of different religions. Um and he, he really, like, respected that point of view, but he himself was, like, not religious at all. And people, like, did not appreciate that about his family, about him. There were some, like, very hurtful comments made. Well, yeah, and, like, super Christian America. Yes. And, yeah. and people just kind of making certain assumptions, and then when their assumptions were not met, making very hurtful comments about Pat Tillman's family. And about their, like, ability to properly grieve, which kind of makes me sick that someone would even, like, tell another person that. Like, again, people contain multitudes. People grieve in many, many different ways. I mean, I think we've all seen an episode of, like, whatever, Forensic Files or something on the ID channel where it's like, oh, the husband must have done it. He wasn't crying at all at the murder scene. 
And then it turns out, like, now he fucking wasn't involved at all. Like, yeah, he was real just people, straight up in shock. It's yeah, all different. Real people react differently. Not everyone is the same. So, anyway, not to, like, beat a dead horse, but each person deserves that respect, right? Just because Pat Tillman wasn't a religious person, just because he, like, you know, wasn't the perfect soldier in some of these people's eyes doesn't mean that he deserved to have, like, his memory or his funeral not the way he wanted it. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of a fucked up part of this. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Okay. So, it's time for Weird Shit in the News. Weird Shit in the News. Okay, so I'm going to go first because I'm, I'm, I'm going to go first because I'm afraid you're also going to talk about it. Okay. Um. So, today, a mystery was solved. Oh. Uh, this is from an NPR article. Cool. By Laurel Wamsley. F- <laughs> Sorry, this is just a funny name. Wham. Wamsley. Laurel Wamsley. FBI says it has recovered stolen ruby slippers missing for 13 years. I did see that. So the ruby slippers that were worn in The Wizard of Oz, in 2005, someone jacked them from a, a museum in Minnesota. Um, and it was it was one of the, I guess there were multiple pairs of them. Um, but they, that were used for, like, close-up shots and stuff. Right, there were four. There were four, yeah. And, uh... This was the one that was in her hometown museum. Yes. But, uh, the, the search is over. Quote, one long-running theory held that local kids had stolen the slippers, then got scared and threw them into a nearby abandoned mine pit. A dive team searched this yoga mine pit in 2015, but came up empty. So... What basically happened was, um, um, that, uh... <laughs> First there were a few ums, and then someone scrolled on a phone. Oh, this is an interesting story. Um, <laughs> Make a fucking movie out of it. <laughs> Unedited. Uncut. And raw. Is there anything more? <laughs> or you just... Yep, that's it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Wait, let me just I'm just gonna just one second, let me just find it. Oh, it was nothing. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna do mine. Okay. Um so mine is titled Mystery of the Cargo Ships That Sink When Their Cargo Suddenly Liquefies. Ew. Ooh, mysterious. Sort of. Um so this is by Susan Gornovec in Ars Technica. I've been reading a lot of Ars Technica articles lately, actually. Um, they're really good. So what happens here is that there is, excuse me, some kind of what's called solid bulk cargo, right? So this is like little grains of stuff, right? Like, you know, coal maybe. I don't know. Uh, in this instance, they're they're talking a lot about bauxite, which is like something that aluminum's made out of, I guess, uh, <laughs> according to Ars Technica. I don't fucking know. So what happens is there's like little water particles in between the grains and when the whole mixture gets, you know, kind of sloshed around, uh, it can actually all turn into like a liquid and then it just goes from like one side of the ship to the other where it's not supposed to be and then the ship starts to list and then it sinks and people die, which is very tragic, obviously. Um, so in the one that they were talking about, I think it's well, out of a 19 person crew, one person survived when this happened oh, recently. Man. And I guess this happens like kind of a lot, sort of like 10 times a year for the past like 10 what? years. Like this is not something just to clarify that happened in like the fucking 18th century or some shit. Like this is happening right now. Because it has to do with, like, modern techniques and technology, right? This is a consequence of us having a way, you know, having these things to move around, obviously, like these raw materials to make, you know, more sophisticated stuff, but also the way that we're doing it. So when they load this cargo, they're trying to do it super fast, right? So they're, like, dropping it down these shafts. Um, They're just trying to get it done super quick because in shipping, time is money, right? Like, literally, time is money. So... When they do that, it increases the kinetic energy that is applied 
and, you know, transferred to these substances, which tends to make them liquid, which increases the danger. So maybe they shouldn't do that so much. Yeah, That's you what think? I'm thinking. I don't know. I'm not a scientist or an engineer or involved in the situation whatsoever, but... Just as an outside observer, I'd say that's probably what they should do. All right. So that's my uh, weird shit in the news. I also have a very short good shit in the news. Do it, do it, do it. And and the, the, the story is in the headline here, so uh, I'm just going to kind of read it. So, firefighters save kitten that survived 385-mile road trip. Trapped in a car engine. What a trooper. Right? So, California fighter, and this is by uh, Gina Martinez, by the way, in uh, Time. Um, California firefighters were able to rescue a kitten, little kitty, so cute, that survived an unexpected 385-mile road trip. I feel like this should be like a Disney movie, right? Yeah. Shouldn't it? He'll, he'll make some friends. There's like a cockroach or something he can talk to. Um, the Beverly Hills Fire Department did discover the trapped kitten inside the engine compartment somehow. I don't know how. Of a Toyota Prius. And they said that the owner drove from San Francisco to Los Angeles when she heard meowing. Oh, no. And the kitten was completely unharmed. That's good. Right. But also weird. So I thought that was cats. all. It was kind of a weird shit in the news too. Cats like tiny spaces. Uh, cats are uh, magical. Cats are freaking weird. Magical creatures. Cats really freak me out. They do. Partly, it's probably partly because they're magical creatures. You know, they're probably aliens. For all I know, they're watching us I think that's right it. now. I think that's oh, what are we done? With. Oh, okay, good. Uh, cats cats are, are magical cat, creatures. Cats are mad. Oh, should that be our tagline? No. No, no, that's stupid, obviously. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want, I was just testing you. Uh, Good job by you! Bye! Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.